Fueled by the Outdoors, your source for hunting, fishing, archery, and all things outdoors. Brought to you by the Elite Outdoors. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. Oh, shit. My bad. My bad, dude. I didn't realize you were doing it right there. So do you want want chocolate shake, cherry Coke, (laughs) or vanilla porter? (laughs) We're going through all the drinks that we could possibly drink uh, on this podcast. So there we go. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. Uh, We're your hosts, Rick Cates and Chris Leppert. What's up, guys? And this is the first time we sat down um in probably a good four to five weeks because we have been um traveling or just life has gotten in the way and we've been uh-huh. doing the uh conservation uh podcast in between um little bits and pieces of knowledge type stuff but uh i'm ready to sit back down and actually talk about not that that wasn't stuff of substance but actually talk to my buddy and you know kind of go through everything that we've been uh going through the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I will say uh, I kind of nerded out a little bit when you did those. I, I was listening <laughs> to them. Like I listened to one um, on the way through Michigan mm-hmm. and I was just sitting there like, this is, this is awesome. <laughs> I, I love, it's like story time for me or something. It's amazing. They, they were, they were fun to do. And uh, it gives me time to like kind of go through and, uh, talk about some stuff a little bit more in depth than what we talk about on here. Cause we, we bring up a lot of stuff um, about a lot of different things throughout these podcasts and we don't ever really get a chance to cover it all too deeply. So um, if, if you haven't listened to them yet, uh, there's four podcasts uh, that I did um, different conservation stuff. Um, a big one was on the great American outdoor doors act. Another one was on the Lacey act. Another one was on, uh, our most recent one was about <clears throat> Jim Posowitz who, uh, just passed away a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, you know, all, all of them are conservation minded stuff. So it was, it was a lot of fun. So, but, um, getting back to all this, uh, last time we talked, you were headed the first leg of worlds, correct? Yes. Uh, and not worlds, the not national worlds. championship, international championship. See guys, I, you, you can listen to the podcast. Rick doesn't know archery like he should. Um, <laughs> so it's it's basically they've got three shoots to determine the national championship. Um, uh, there's three legs, first leg, second leg, third leg, and then you have your winners of each shoot and then your overall winner of the national championship. So okay. um, That makes sense at, to me now. At the first one, which was held, uh, the first leg was held – in Pipestem, West Virginia, in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a pretty tough shoot. Uh, I felt like it was stretched out pretty decent. Um, I shot what I would call fairly poorly, but my yardage game was decent. Um, so I ended up going 10 down, which would be a 390. Okay. Um, so for those that listen... It's similar to golf, like we talked about before. So I'd basically be 10 above par only this time I was below um, for archery terms. So, okay. uh, but I, I wasn't terribly pissed about that. Um, I, I just came to this class. I shot hunter class for years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My first year in this class, it's a 40 yard max and it's, 
it's tough for a guy like me. And uh, I ended up going 10 down. I think that put me in ninth place. And so our team went, Luke went first place. Steve Hilbun Jr. went third place. And then I believe our other teammate, Jim Ryman, went Mm -hmm. fourth place. Wow. And then I was ninth. So we literally could have beat any other team with any combination of scores. Holy hell. But because they they take your top three, of course, why wouldn't you? Um, So my score did not get used, Mm -hmm. which it sucks, but at the same rate, it's about the team. So if I'm the worst guy every time, so be it. Um, But anywho, we ended up taking – with that first shoot, we ended up with a 68-point lead. Wow. Pretty – that's pretty significant. Um, it can easily be given up, yeah. But that's pretty significant. So, then so can like move, one can like one bad day at like on the shoot like erase that type of lead? Uh or would you have to like miss every well, target? Well, um, no. So essentially, what would have to happen for us to give that up is three out of four of our guys, all four guys. Mm-hmm. would basically have to shoot somewhere in the neighborhood of 23, 24, about 24 down. Somewhere wow. 23 down. Like all four guys would have to shoot terribly. And, and keeping in mind that not only would we have to shoot 24 down, every single one of us, mm-hmm. but the other team that is in contention with us uh, that is closest, the other teams would then have to shoot, shoot even or up so to, to gain those points. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. a lot would have to happen, uh, and, and that would require all of their teammates to do so, which uh, is very difficult. But the other teams that we've faced have four guys that can absolutely do that. So um, with that said, enter the second leg. Yeah. Which is what we just got back from in Franklin, Pennsylvania. Okay, so that was in Pennsylvania. Yes. Ah, yeah, so I did it, get one thing right about it. <laughs> yeah, it was it was that was one of the tougher shoots I've shot. I think that's probably the toughest shoot that I've ever shot other than the world championship. Um I would say I would say half of our targets at least mm-hmm. were pretty uphill shots where you're, you know, I, I don't know how many times you've actually tried this, but next time you're dicking around in the yard, shooting yeah. your bow, stick your target like on your shed or something stupid and just aim at it. You don't even have to shoot. Just try uh, to aim at it. Also keeping in mind when you draw, you draw straight out. You don't move. You don't aim with your arm. You got to aim with your waist. You draw right? at a T angle, and then yeah, like a pendulum. So yep. try to do that and see how well you can hold a pin <laughs> on a little dot that you can't even <laughs> fucking see. <laughs> so uh, it was very difficult. There was a lot of rain. Uh, yeah. It downpoured a lot, but we didn't shoot in a single drop of rain. Uh, we were smart and got out there after the rain subsided. Uh, on Saturday and then on Sunday we actually got out there and literally like got back to the camper mm-hmm. and it just freaking downpours. Oh man. So 
while that was annoying, we were still blessed. So um, none of our guys had what I would call a great day, even mm-hmm. though. Um, so <laughs> here we are again. Uh, I shot terribly. I was in position. Uh, I didn't know it at the time, but I was actually in position to uh, make a good run in a podium and even first place. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Yeah. After day one, yeah. So I was sitting five down, and uh, I had a 95 Mm -hmm. if I just shot tens uh, the next day. And the next day, man, I just – I really don't know what happened, honestly. (laughs) It was was bad. I got yarded on three targets in a row. I took three fives in a row, and uh, that pretty much was my demise right there. Um, But, again, heading back to the team – uh, we got to witness our boy Stevie Hillbun Jr. Mm-hmm. win his first national. Nice. So he took first, which he's been in the IBO, God, for, I don't know, six, eight years, seven years. So a while. Years. A long time, yeah. Maybe even a decade or so. Um, in fact, I can tell you for certain that he's been in since 2014 because I remember seeing him and Jason Marshall – at a shoot in Wilmington when we were stupid enough to take Cora as an infant <laughs> and we thought we'd just push her in a stroller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not happening. Not, not, not a good idea. Uh, no, that was so stupid. Um, so uh, then Luke took third He with four down. Uh, he shot a 96. And then wow. I believe our other buddy Jim shot six down i don't Mm -hmm. know where that would put him but probably somewhere in that fifth area something like that uh and i ended a god dude i shot like 33 down or so it was something i just i had like three eights in a row and then three fives in a row it was bad so um, we ended up gaining some more ground in the team event um so we are now i want to say we're like 73 ahead or or no 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 83 ahead holy crap so we're basically you're positioned really well then yeah i mean and again not to you know i'm not trying to toot our horns or or anything like that because again anything can happen right but um we have a very very good chance uh at winning a national championship as a team and more than likely there's a very good chance that one of my teammates is going to end up a national champion as well. In that, the that's such a cool division. thing to like actually think about <clears throat> is that, you know, you're, you're, you're close. I mean, there's one more leg of this to go. Yeah. And then on top of that, one of the team members that you have and, and, you know, has a chance to, to be a national champion. Now I will ask yeah. this. So is it individual accumulated points determines the national champion yep. or is it like best during the third leg? Nope. It's, it's accumulated over all three shoots. They add up your okay. score from all three shoots for the team and the individual. So your team's best three scores from each one mm-hmm. determines the team. And then your, your score 
from each shoot determines where you fall in the running for the national championship. See, and I'm glad to, I'm glad to hear that they do it that way. And it's not just kind of like this grab ass way of doing things where it's yeah. like, Oh, you show up for the third leg and you shoot. Well, like you could be the national champion. It's yeah, like, that would be kind of it's, it's a cumulative state for you have to go through and you have to like, I think we talked about this last time we were together, like be consistent all the way through in order to ensure it. And it's not just like, um, you know, I, I've talked down here before that I, I play, a, I played competitive softball for years and you could win one tournament, get your bid to worlds, not play another tournament for the rest of the year. Yeah. And, and, and show up and then, uh, run the table or, uh, or win out and then you'd be a national champion. Wow. Yeah. Kind of ridiculous. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that they do it that way. And I feel like that's uh, if I could say this, it feels like it's more of a, like an honorable thing. Like you've got to yeah. like bust your balls to get there. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's uh, man. I, so I made a post on our Facebook page of me holding a umbrella for Luke. And uh, <laughs> I was actually quite surprised at all the stupid comments we got. Um, people like, making fun of holding the umbrella but i i don't know that people actually understand what it is we're doing so we're shooting an unknown distance we have to guess the yardage Mm -hmm. and our class which is advanced hunter is a 40 yard max so it could be 40 yards or it could be 12 but right let's be clear uh we're living in that 33 to 37 yard range uh, we'll have a couple under 30 and maybe one super close one to keep us honest. Mm-hmm. So we can't just set all long pins and forget it. Right. So, um, and we're shooting at rings that we can't see with the naked eye. Um, no. And like they're engraved you this and they're last small. time to me, cause I had no idea about this. Like I, I realized it's a 3d target, but like you're shooting at a black bear in a shaded area. That's got like, rings on it that are yeah. harder than hell to see and you can only use binoculars you're not allowed to use a rangefinder or anything right yep you can't use like a a spotting scope and all that i mean it's it's difficult so um mm-hmm. and and we have people that are able you know luke and our buddy steve jim uh there, there's these guys that are just ridiculous at this and you know i've i've had my days where i've been good but God, it's like borderline annoying sometimes how got how good these guys can be. <laughs> um, where you're just like, how do you even see that, dude? Like, I don't understand. And well, then- it, it's it's so funny because, um, you know, I, I joke around with you about this, but like, I literally like know like Jack Diddley about archery, and um, the the bulk of what I know is is like hunting stuff, and I, I can't remember if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but. Um, I'm right eye dominant. So about it's been like two or three years ago, I had to have surgery on my right eye. Um, my, my eye actually has like what's called a, my, uh, um, a sheath oh, around it uh, yeah. because my, uh, you know, during Turkey season, um, uh, three or four years ago, I shot my gun and it, uh, dislodged my retina. Oh, damn. Yeah. So you want to talk about a weird thing happening, like hunting injuries. Um, that that that's Damn. like uh <laughs> i'm sitting i'm sitting uh i'm sitting in my office one day and all of a sudden like 
a corner of my eye goes dark and I'm talking to somebody, they go, you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. It's just like, is there, like I had a skylight in my office. I'm like, is there a cloud or like, did it get darker here? He goes, no, not at all. It's like, oh, okay. So then I went, um, I went a day like at home with it. And then I go, go back to work the next day. And uh, my wife says, go, you need to go to the eye doctor. And the eye doctor goes, uh, yeah, your retina is about ready to fall off. Um, he goes, you, you're actually like, you have holes in there. Holy and uh, he goes, did you do anything to like get hit in the head? I'm like, no, he goes, were you climbing hills? I'm like, like what kind of hills? <laughs> and I go, right. Um, I've been kind of doing that all spring and, and I shot a tur shot at a Turkey and he goes, "Is when'd you do that? I'm like last week. And he goes, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, so Dude. I, I, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um, when I shoot my bow, um, it's so hard for me to see like, uh, when you guys are talking about that, um, it's ridiculously hard for me to think about even seeing that kind of stuff. So I, I, I almost envy it a little bit. Um, yeah. I mean, you saw my shooting skills on Turkey this year, uh, live and in <laughs> person. Um, but uh, I Maybe. actually took my bow to the bow shop today, and I was telling them uh, the, I, I have a, the site that I have on my bow now has a very bright um, uh, ring around the, uh, around, yeah. I guess, the optical. The house. Yeah, the, the housing. House. And then the, um, the, uh, Oh, what do you call it? Pin? The pins in it are actually uh, extremely, extremely fluorescent. So as soon as a light hits it, um, I can actually see it very, very well. And it's, it's helped me immensely over the past year becoming more proficient in that. And I, I think that that's, uh, as you and I have talked about this, um, you know, there's a lot of things like that that are very small adjustments that you can make that make um, target archery or just hunting in general, uh, that much better for someone who might not have, uh, you know, the correct eyes or the correct, you know, whatever. So do you have the fiber optics? Do they wrap around the front of the housing there? So, um, no, it's, uh, it's really, it's, it's weird. Um, I have a, uh, and I would have never bought it until I really like re I re looked at them all and I'm like, Oh, this is what I want. I didn't want to buy like a sword or, you know, something that was going to, uh, for me, break the bank. Uh, but I bought a, uh, a trophy Ridge hot wire or live wire, whatever they're called. Yeah. And, uh, where the light hits it in the housing, it just, it lights up like a damn Christmas tree. Now, when and, you uh, say a light, a mechanical light or sunlight, sunlight, sunlight okay so i don't i don't have um yeah the so there's probably clear plastic yeah yeah with the fiber optics yep. running around through okay. so around that and so, then i have i have the um the rheostat got the light. little light on there too yeah. that in they're case shitty. like in low light yeah they're um, junk <laughs> yeah yeah there so we actually advertised for a couple uh different light companies last year and then do one this year yeah so a luma pin is a really good light for anybody that's listening that just wants a little good light for a hunting light, that's a very good dependable light. The ones that come with the sights suck. That I've, no, they're garbage. I've, I've had, <laughs> I did not get to shoot about a 150 inch 11 pointer. That was just, I could have spit in his mouth. He was 24 uh. yards broadside. I had to scream at the deer and he still, he stopped because he had to itch his leg. Oh like he, my god! He reached around to like, chew on his leg or whatever so 
if you could imagine a 150 inch 11 pointer that's literally stretched his body out perfectly broadside at 24 yards and moved his leg out of the way so that he could reach around to do whatever the hell he was doing. And I couldn't see my pin because that light wouldn't turn on. And then, you know, I, I find that Aluma pin and I'm like, man, that's a badass little light for somebody that just wants to spend. I think they're around like 50 bucks or something. They're, they're not, and it's well worth it. So, yeah, yeah. And then Luke and I both shoot and multiple other people do as well. Um, my buddy, Travis moves, uh, introduced me to a guy named Alan Bullard and, uh, he's the inventor of the auto light and this thing yeah. is wicked. Uh, it's the one that changed colors and stuff, right? Yeah. I, so I run a clear fiber optic through my pins and I can change, let's see, there's seven colors. So I've got yellow, red, green, blue, teal, purple, and white that I can change really? to. So that's really nice for different lighting situations and for people that don't shoot 3d, which is what kind of pissed me off mm-hmm. for that dude's comment the other day on our, all those people's comment on the with, with the umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. Um, lighting situations can be terrible. So a different color pin changes your life and then well, you can adjust the brightness yep. and everything. So that, that one's a little more expensive, but it's still, I mean, for a guy that likes to shoot 3d and hunt, it's beautiful. You draw your boat. That's the other cool thing. You set the brighting, uh, the brightness, the brightness setting, on it. And then you draw your bow and it turns itself on when you fire or let down, it goes off. See, that's awesome. Like, it. like it, it's little things like that, that make, <clears throat> make certain things that we like to do so much easier. Yeah. Um, you see that, um, I think I mentioned this in the last podcast I did. Uh, I used to rock climb a good bit with a buddy of mine and, uh, there's so many small things in that community. Oh God. Uh, like just very small stuff. So like one, one thing is uh, when, when you attach your belay device to your harness, uh, you have a carabiner there usually. And one of the carabiners, uh, the main carabiners that I had uh, has just this thin little red line. And if you, it lets you know, like if you're locked in or not, if you see the red line it means danger. If you don't see the red line, it means you're good to go. And it's little things like that that can be helpful. But yeah. the thing you were mentioning about the uh, the umbrella, I think it's funny because um, people got on your butt about it and then someone else posts a picture of uh, uh, Levi. Um, yeah, that was Jeff. Levi yeah, Levi. I mean like the, the greatest 3D archer in the history of time. Ridic- ridiculous. So – um, for those of you who don't know who it's Levi, it's not Levi Morgan, right? Yes. It okay. Is. It is Levi. I'm thinking Craig Morgan, the Chris, the, the, uh, the country singer. Yeah. Levi Morgan. Um, the only time I've ever seen this guy shoot, uh, ESPN was hurting for something. Like, I don't know why it was on there, but they had the world 3d championship indoor championships on one day. Yep. ASA. I never seen a guy mow down so many bullseyes in my life was and it uh was it do you know if it was asa or ibo it was asa okay i was gonna say you probably got to watch him shoot the 14 ring then yep yep yeah so it, it was nuts like the dude's ridiculous and when you see people like holding four umbrellas behind a guy and like i don't care i don't care what anyone says there's something when a pro does it like you want to pay attention to it. Um, 
there's this there's this funny story that my dad always reminds me of especially when we go stream fishing or whatever i used to uh <clears throat> he, he bought these baits they don't make them anymore well they make them but they're not as good as they once were uh they were uh jimmy houston used to hawk them they're called cordell spots okay and they were red and like orange colored and i made fun of him one day i'm like oh you're just playing you're just using that because it's a bass master bait he outfished my ass 10 to one every single time he threw that bait, no matter how many times I, and guess what, what kind of bait it was. What kind? Rattle trap. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Um, and, but, but he never let me forget. He's, he's like, Oh, it's a, it's, it's a Bassmaster pro bait. You don't want to use that. Um, I became a believer in things after that because those guys, like some of that stuff gets developed for good reasons. Like I'm not going to go out and buy a $500 Kevin Van Dam reel, but if, if I know like I'm watching somebody do something that's going to be helpful, I'm going to incorporate it into what I'm doing. It's like, if you go and you set a deer stand in the middle of nowhere and you're like, why am I not seeing deer? And you don't watch YouTube videos. You talk to your buddies or you watch anybody else like set up on a, on a pinch point on a travel corridor or near a food source. You wouldn't not do that. Right. Well, you, you know, it's funny too because people make fun of 3D guys and the first thing they say is it's not hunting and all that. We're when you're like, foam yeah, animals. We're well a fucking where it's not hunting. That's why we're <laughs> shooting 3D. Right. We can't go kill shit. So that said, these guys, you know, you talk about so two names that come to mind right out the gate. Obviously, Levi Morgan. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a guy by the name of Tim Gillingham. Yeah, I know him. What those two I know of people, him. I don't know him personally. Yeah, what <laughs> they have done for archery and for mm-hmm. deer hunters. Holy shit, dude. Yeah. Like some of the things that I now know. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm still not perfect, and I can still botch something just like anybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, man, do I have an edge in the woods because of people like that who fiddle dick with their bow for hours on end every day Yep, and then figure stuff out. And before you know it, you know, we've got first, second, and third axis adjustments and level bubbles and all this different stuff, you know, and ways to, you know, what I was going to suggest to you mm-hmm. that I was taught by a 3D guy who, by the way, hunts as well and is a very good deer hunter. His name's Robert Smothers. Um, that little clear ring yeah. on your housing with the fiber optics, you can cover that in a strip of electrical tape and then peel the electrical tape back. And when your pin gets bright enough, you just roll it backward and, and, you know, fix it there. And then when your lighting situation gets different, like say you're sitting in your stand and it's getting dark, peel that thing all the way off. And then, you know, when it's super sunny, um, well, you actually need it to be bright in certain light situations that are bright. But what happens is when you're in that bright light situation with that, you're kind of doing the opposite. When you have a light, you're turning it all the way up. When you're controlling light, you know, sunlight coming in, you're trying to keep it from reflecting off your level bubble and which leads to sun shades and, you know, another tube that connects to your housing. So that way the sun can't come through. It hits that housing and stays out, stays Mm -hmm. off your bubble and everything. So there's there's a bunch of different tricks, but anyway, we can talk about something else now. I mean, I'll, we 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 can talk about on this forever. Their bows for hours and hours. Yeah, I actually, um, I just dropped my bow off uh, today to my to my local guy, and I went in and uh, where you uh, go? Like, like I said, huh? 
Where do you go? I go to M&M, uh, M&M. Archery over okay. in uh, over in Kentucky. Okay, um, I met him. He's a good guy. Yeah, he he he's a good dude, and I um I trust him with my stuff. And uh, yeah. as, as I've told you recently, and as I was told by Luke uh, when I announced what kind of bow I have, uh, still, <laughs> um, he and Luke says you need to get a new bow. And uh, oh yeah, I I, I think I think like like when this one's bow strings and this one's cables need to be replaced, I'm going to, I'm going to invest in a new bow just because, you know, I don't get me wrong. Like I love, I love that Outback. I absolutely love it. Um, it'll hang on my wall. It'll, it'll be one of those things that I know that I killed my first, uh, archery deer with, but at the same time, I feel like, um, as we move forward and I know I've railed on guys about this before on this podcast about going and getting a new bow or whatever, you don't need one every year, but, um, after about six or seven, it's probably a good idea to maybe look at, uh, switching it up. So, uh, oh, yeah. my plan is to go with you and, uh, possibly look at a, uh, look at a different one. You know, I'm partial to Matthews, obviously. Yeah. Um, Matthews makes a great bow. Um, Bowtech's not bad. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you one that's really jumping out, man, is PSE. Mm-hmm. PSEs, they have made some moves. My God. And they're – Well, they picked back up Dudley, bows. didn't they? They got Dudley. Don't quote me, but I want to say they got that pig man guy. I don't really know. I, I think really that they did as well. He annoys the shit out of me personally. But um, I think they got him uh, – Dudley made some big moves, man. He went to PSE and then he quit Sherlock and went to Spot Hog. Yep. Which is, man. Cam Haynes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he just left Cam and then went and rejoined him. That's kind of funny, which I think they're kind of, you know, at odds a little bit here and there. But um, it's so funny to watch that stuff play out on social media, especially like when you watch these guys like switch stuff or go to different things. Um, it's, uh, I, there's, a, there's a musician that I really like named Sturgill Simpson. And uh, John Dudley built him a bow, uh, a brand new PSE bow, colors of his album and that kind of stuff. Because Dudley said, he goes, I've listened to all your albums. And he goes, <clears throat> I listened to your album the entire time I made this bow. He took it out. And Sturgill's from Kentucky, um, but he lives in Tennessee now. And uh, he posted a video of it the other day, just uh, knocking three bullseyes with this bow that he nice. uh, that he got. I mean, it's pretty nice. But you look at guys like um, uh, Cam Haynes or yeah. uh, John Dudley or you know Remy Warren. Um, you know, to me, to me, Remy's one of those guys where you know you look at him and you say, like, you want to say he doesn't have allegiances, but you know he definitely does. He, I mean, he's with a certain bow company and that kind of they stuff. They all do. But yeah. I feel like, uh, you know, I mean, even uh, your boy, uh, oh, what's his name? Donnie. Donnie. Vincent. I mean, all those guys have stuff. But you know what? Uh, as we've talked about before, you got to use what's comfortable for you. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, man, it doesn't get much better than old Remy Warren and Donnie Vincent and yep. uh, Cam Haynes. I like Dudley. What he's done for archery is great. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't like that's not a guy where I'm like, hey, I want to get into this hunting. What should I do? <laughs> like, he's not somebody that's that. But as far as archery, my yeah. God, man, that guy's a that guy's a freak. Um, yeah, the best teacher in the country, probably. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. So 
That said, how did your trip to Cumberland go? <laughs> um, I'm laughing about it because uh, that's all I can do at this point. Um, <laughs> so you caught some nice fish. I, mean. I did. I, I, ca- I caught. I caught some real nice fish. And you know, I, I've I've talked about this with you. I've talked about this with my brother and my dad and most people. If I went out on a lake and I spent four hours on there and I caught 10 fish that were a pound and a half to two pounds to four pounds a piece, um, that would be a great day. Yeah. Any, any Ohio lake, that'd be a great day. Um, to me, that is a shit day on Cumberland. <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Um, you've been down there, you've seen it, you know, you know oh. what it is. And I, I, I will say this till the day I die. It is my favorite lake to fish. Um, I know I could go to Kentucky Lake or Barkley and just absolutely pound three and four fit three and four pound fish, but there's something about the ability to go out, throw one bait, and have yeah. the ability to possibly catch a striper, a smallmouth, a largemouth, or a Kentucky. Um, and you know, it, it's just you know I've been there all my life. So we went down. Um, would have been that weekend you were in Pipestem. Yeah, we. Got up at, let's see, I went, I went with my, uh, my wife's uh, best friend, her dad, Joe. He, he asked me to go down. I was like, yeah, sure. He just bought a boat. We rode down there and um, we left at 3 a.m. Like we were at my house, 3 a.m. We were on the lake. At, uh, it would have been six o'clock our time. So five o'clock their time. It's already light. The issue was with this is that um, everybody and their mother uh, had been night fishing the night before. Okay. And, wow. Uh, it wasn't as bad because we launch out of, uh, you know, right, right next to Wolf Creek Dam. We launch out of Halcombs Landing. And so we went and hit my favorite spots. And we did all right. Um, no stripers, no big blowups. But we're, you know, we had a lot, a lot, a lot of short strikes and we're, we're sitting there like, what the hell's going on here? So we, we pull back off the banks and we start throwing crankbaits and we, we, you know, start catching Kentuckys and it, it was fun. Like, I mean, got, got Joe out. He had a, I'm pretty sure he had a good time. He caught the first fish of the day. Um, he caught the beer fish. It was at, uh, you know, 6 a.m. So we're fish. not going to start pounding beers at that time. Uh, there was, but I will say this: there was definitely people when we drove by Grider Hill that were drinking that early. <laughs> they were sitting on the houseboats. They still had bottles of beer in front of them. It, it was hey, fantastic. No judgment so, there. Oh yeah. So so we we go and we hit all my favorite spots, and it starts getting hot, and I mean hot, hot. You were out in the you know the elements that weekend, and I mean it oh, hit ninety degrees. It was hot. And, it was. And we started trying to throw everything. We started throwing jigs and we went out to main lake points. So I was like, well, let, let, let's go try something else. So we go and I go to hit the trolling motor and it won't budge. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? I'm like, Joe, did you charge your, your trolling motor? He's yeah, I charged them. Everything was on green before we left. So we start screwing with stuff and, um, I don't own a boat. My dad's owned a boat forever. And uh, so call him, be like, hey, what would be going on with this? He's like, well, normally in, the, in those larger boats, um, they've got a tr- uh, the trolling motor's got a breaker system. So we go back and play with the breaker, and it's like, it feels weird. We're like, eh. 
So we pulled the trolling motor up after, you know, 15, 20 minutes of trying to screw around with it. And um, in high wake water, this is like noon at this point. Uh, so they're People tearing it up. Running their ski yeah. boats, they're running jet skis. So we run to the marina. And um, uh, am I allowed to give a plug for a guy here? Well, yeah. Okay. So um, if anybody goes to Lake Cumberland, um, there's a guy named Lance Sasser. And you've probably seen him on he on our page. Uh, no. I don't know if he's on our page. We should probably I've seen him, him somewhere. Lance is, uh, is on Kentucky Field uh, consistently. Uh, he, okay. He, he is an excellent guide. He is one of the nicest guys I have ever met in a fishing situation. In fact, so he comes over, um, didn't even realize it was Lance because Lance usually has had this like huge beard and uh, he um, actually like he shaved it off and he comes over to the boat and he's talking to me and Joe and he's looking at it. He goes, man, he has something done feel right with that breaker. And we're like, okay, well, he goes, well, I'm going to cut the wire and see if that works. So we cut it. Nothing works. Troll and motor shot. So basically fishing's dead. We were going to go, we went and trolled for a little bit. Um, it just wasn't happening with all the high wake stuff, but, um, Lance sat there and spent 30 to 40 minutes of his own time after he's got, just got done cleaning fish is trying to clean up his boat, go home to his family. Then told us, he said, if he goes, we limited out on stripers. They're between 16 and 36 feet. If you got live bait, and he goes, just pull in somewhere and do it. And he goes, or go troll these areas gave us the exact areas to go and troll. Wow. Like, you know, that, that's, that, that's a good human being right that's there. That's great sportsmanship. Up, man, that, that, that's super, super sportsmanship. And, uh, I know my dad and, uh, Bob and my uncle Woody went out with him at one point on the river and he is, is know, he the dude that guided them on? Yep. Yeah. On the Same trout guy same guy and oh cool yeah so i mean he he's such, a, remember he's such a good dude such a cool guy um but that basically ended our trip so we um <clears throat> we drove back up north we're dead dog tired uh but it you know what i'm i'm never going to complain about a day that i get to go down there it, it, yeah. it was a, it was a really good time and for someone who's fished it let's see i i actually turned 35 tomorrow for someone who's fished it literally every year since birth, um, there has never been a bad trip I've had there, ever. Yeah. And, and I, I can't – maybe one. There was a year we caught one fish uh, the entire time, and it was when uh, the lake was extremely flooded. And, I mean – Was it when I was there? No. So it oh. wasn't when you were there. Um, this is when I was like 10. We went there oh. and – the water was up in the old parking lot on the dam. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, this is a long, long time ago. Uh, the year you and me and Will went and my dad, and uh, it was a driving rain. It was real fucking nasty. Oh, it was cold. terrible. It was rainy. Cold as balls. Cold as I mean, balls. Your dad, yep. I think they pulled, man, he pulled that big ass smallmouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that thing was gorgeous. But and then that's fish. the same one. You caught the big walleye. Caught that big walleye. Out of the river. Yep. But other than that, like. That's it. We didn't that hardly catch shit. Yeah. And that was, that was um, basically due to 
torrential downpours the entire yeah. spring and they were they were flowing 25,000 uh oh, yeah. CFS which which the weird thing was um we literally went down there in the fall right afterwards and pounded the living crap out of the trout and then we went back down for Will's bachelor party in January and absolutely annihilated the fish yeah I mean we went down there and we were throwing spoons and I think we caught I mean, there was what six of us. I want to say we caught at least a hundred fish in that one day, dude. <laughs> I got so sick of catching fish. Good quality, like I'd never Good quality seen, fish too. That, you know, that's the thing. We're we're catching fourteen and fifteen inch fish, you know, like it's our job. And I end up so that was the bachelor party. Yep. I think I ended up with the fish of the trip. Yes, you did which was like a 19 and a half inch trout rainbow. I mean, that thing was so gorgeous and I felt terrible cause I caught it on your dad's fishing <laughs> rod. Um, but, and then I want to say, I don't think it was the same trip. I think it was the trip that we went down there when mm-hmm. it was flooded. Cause we went down for the bachelor party and then, it was the that that spring when it was yeah. flooded to hell. Yep. Um, that's when I hooked into. Oh gosh, you only Lord that Jesus Christ fish. knows. Uh, yeah. It it felt like I basically hooked a Volkswagen or something, and mm-hmm. I mean I couldn't do shit with it. And I was on my heavier action rod. That I mean I've turned some big ass fish. Yep. With that, I mean yep. that. 31 what was it 31 and a half inch striper striper, yeah dude i i pulled her right up to the top of the water and held her there i i I did nothing with whatever the hell i hooked into (laughs) probably a big sturgeon or flathead or something stupid but hell you i mean you never know well and and that's 40 or 50 pound striper and (laughs) exactly exactly well and that that kind of leads to the next point is um you know, they're absolutely, it, it is, it is July 17th right now. So you'll be, you'll all be hearing this in a few days, but um, they are absolutely hammering the fish down there right now. Absolutely destroying stripers, big trout, all kinds of stuff. And, uh, uh, you know, oddly enough, a guy pulled a sturgeon out of the lake. Um, I think three what? days. Yeah. Um, three <laughs> days ago. So um, the Kentucky Field podcast um, actually reported on this, I think, like a few days ago. It's all hearsay, obviously, but a guy who knows a guy who's the biologist basically said by the time since, uh, you know, the timeline from when they started first uh, releasing sturgeon again into the lake to try to uh, get runs going and all that kind of stuff, they allegedly believe that there could be a hundred pound sturgeon in Lake Cumberland at this point. Wow. Yeah. They said, so by with, with, with their abilities to grow and things like that, there's a real shot. that There is a fish that large in there. Now they're hanging at 180 feet or something like that because they're big bottom feeders. Um, but there has been uh, multiple sturgeon actually caught out of the lower Cumberland river, uh, within the past uh, three to four months with guys going down there and fishing night crawlers and that kind of stuff on the bottom. Wow. Which is, which is super cool because that's not something that you would ever think. Um, you know, when I think sturgeon, I think Alaska, I think Canada, I think upper States, 
you don't necessarily think those in Midwestern to Mid-Southern states uh, being available for you to fish. You know, they, I mean, they were available, you know, back before we, you know, extirpated them. But it, it's it's cool to think that you could go down there and possibly hook into one of these. I mean, it is literally a monster. Okay. So fun fact, and you may already know this, you probably mm-hmm. do. Um, what do you think the age of sexual maturity is for a female sturgeon? Um, five years. <laughs> <laughs> Around 30. Holy shit. Yeah. So I, I looked it up here on Google just to make sure I wasn't full of shit because I sometimes <laughs> misremember things, but Lisa posted a little thing. I believe mm-hmm. it was on our page and I got to reading it and I'm like, damn. And it says here that sexual maturity in females has reached between 14 and 33 years. Most often from 24 to 26 years. Wow. Eight to 12 years for males, but may take up to 22 years. So a female lake sturgeon spawn once every four to nine years while males spawn every two to seven. So when you think about that and you think about the size those fish get, that's why you don't fucking kill them. Yeah. You leave yeah, the I bastards mean, to go. You do everything you can to keep and them even, alive. Even, you know, for, for a guy like myself or you or Will, mm-hmm. uh, we don't care about mounting an actual no, fish. No, no. We'd rather get it back, but take it one step further, kind of like they do with the grouper, yep. the Goliath grouper. Yep. Just get the best picture you can. Hold the fish in the water. Don't yep. be a dipshit and hold it by the, the gills or Ugh. do something stupid. I mean, depending on how big it is, you ain't going to hold it by shit. But, I mean, exactly. just treat the fish with respect. And, I mean, for those things to make it, to breed is nothing short of a miracle. So exactly. Let it, exactly. let it go in there and live and breed, man. It's funny that we're talking about like a fish like that, that, that is that special because one year ago today, I caught my, my bucket list fish. I caught, oh, I caught yeah. my rooster fish rooster. one year ago today. The and, rooster. Uh, Happy anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Dan. That was awesome. I was jacked for you. And you, you, you want to, you want to think about something like that. And then, like we'll get, we'll get into later trips later, but um, handling something like that and knowing that the value of it is more to put it back in the water to anyone and everybody who gets it. Like, don't get me wrong. Like um, I don't know if you've ever had caviar. I have. Um, yeah. yeah. Fish eggs ain't your thing. <laughs> um I've, I've had it before and you know what, it's good and everything, but, um, it's not worth killing a fish that's 30 to 40 years old for me yep. to be able to eat some, eat a little bit of it, um, during that time. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm a huge proponent of eating what you catch. Like I've, I've made that very well aware to everyone. I think who's ever listened to this podcast, yeah. but the reality of it is, is that I'm not going to kill something like it, it, it destroys me. And I know it, it it destroys like my brother at the same time. <laughs> Just one time and Just, one time only. I'm yeah. gonna go find somebody who had a small mouth <laughs> die on them 
and I'm going to like hit it in the head with a hammer or something in front of him just to, just to make him cry. <laughs> it kills me. Like when I see guys with, like 23 inch small mouth and like that fish is probably like eight years old. Like what yeah. are you doing? And I know like in my head, like it's perfectly legal to harvest. And yeah. I've been told they taste delicious, but in my brain, it just like, it does not compute. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm so conflicted because, you know, running that page and everything, we mm-hmm. accept everybody. And uh, I'll say this, I'm not going to make fun of or knock somebody for harvesting a smallmouth. Right. But I will add this. You can catch sunfish crappie, walleye, sauger, sauguy, catfish that are more plentiful and probably what I would call less fun Mm -hmm. to catch, uh, more numerous and have probably a better meal and probably help a guy out like myself that, I mean, the smallmouth is my favorite fish, hands down. I've only caught one, what I would call good one. I did catch, so I caught a 17 and a half inch Smalley out of a tiny creek, mm-hmm. which was that's pretty really damn cool. good. Um, and then, um, the other one I caught is <laughs> I probably shouldn't even say this shit. <laughs> so, my neighborhood pond, yeah, I caught a 19 inch, uh, three and a half pound smallmouth out of that's nuts. I've never heard of a smallmouth being in a pond in Ohio ever, let alone Southern Ohio. Yeah. So, um, and then my buddy caught a three like later that summer. I couldn't believe it. So Good Lord, um, I love smallmouth. So anyway, um, you know, and, and I'll say this to guys that, that mount fish, man, I know that there's like some ego involved and you want to like prove that you caught that fish, but man, get you the can, replica you can you can turn that fish loose because it's imagine if you could hunt big bucks mm-hmm. and then like turn them loose to grow if if i could the the buck that i swear to god that i won't show on here or talk about even hardly i'll just say yeah. the buck and then we'll talk about him this fall <laughs> uh if if my target buck right now if i could catch that deer and turn that bastard loose to grow I would do it. And then I'd yeah. go shoot a doe and eat good. Even I, I wouldn't say better because buck meat's just as good and you get more, but it uh, is. We'll do a whole um, we'll do a whole podcast on that part later. Yeah. So uh you know, that said, you're turning genetics loose that just can't be replaced, man. So uh, you know, a, a guy like Matt DeFazio or mm-hmm. um there there's a bunch of them that do such amazing work all you need is some good photos and, and solid measurements. And then you get to, you know, being a conservationist, you get to watch that fish live and go back and you have a chance to catch it again or a little kid or a lady or, you know, an old man or just a regular guy like you and I could go out and catch it. And we could have the day of our life as well. So you know, just my thoughts. Um, but if, if you do, but, but they're, but they're, but they're good. And, and the reality of that is, is, uh, you know, 
it's it's like you know i joke about it but like that that rooster fish that i caught last year i fully intend at some point to have a replica of that made unless i catch a bigger one this year so you know we'll talk about trips later obviously but you know a replica to me is just as good because i have that picture in my head um you know it my dad had a smallmouth mounted uh that was like his biggest smallmouth ever caught uh in college his dad gave it to him for a uh, a graduation gift i think and i mean it was it was a beautiful smallmouth mount he blew that out of the water uh about six years ago with a monster like six and a half pounder i remember at, that fish. at a at a cumberland i mean it, it, was, yeah. it was just insane and it's like up until that point that was the largest smallmouth he had ever caught and we, we let it go and you know what? If we ever wanted to have a replica made, we could do that. And uh, you know, I, I, you're you're you you dabble in taxidermy. We've had yeah. a taxidermist on here. You know, it it's cool. Like, don't get me wrong. It's cool to have the actual fish. At the same time, though, when you look at certain things, like if a record's ever going to be broken again, look, to me, the smallmouth record will never be broken. Like that, that, that to me, that is an unattainable record. I, I, I will go on this podcast and say it right now. I feel like the smallmouth record is an unattainable thing because there were so many things that had to happen in concert with that in order for that fish to be as big as it was on Dale Hollow at that point and at that time. How that, big is it? Uh, 10 pounds and 10 and a half pounds. It's the world record? World record. Dale Hollow, um, the guy calls it Old Joe, and he believed that he had caught it multiple times, but he had all—he caught it once. He released it, but when Fuck. he, yeah, it's huge. <laughs> Eleven pounds, fifteen, twelve pounds, twelve pounds. My bad. So, Holy like, shit. yeah. So you're talking about a fish, and the place that he caught it, he caught it on a bomber Model A, I think. He was trolling over what was an old food lot uh, when they flooded Dale Hollow, when they flooded the river, that fish basically sat there and ate and ate and ate yeah. and ate and just got huge. To me, that is that is an unbreakable record. Like, there are other fish that you will probably see a record broken. Like, we've seen the largemouth record broken, I think, three times yeah. within my lifetime. Yeah. And, and, you know, other things with regards to that. But but a large smallmouth like that, uh, if you if you go to Dale Hollow on one of the ramps that's named after the man who caught it, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he uh, like they have a replica of the fish painted the actual size and it is ginormous for a smallmouth. God, right, <laughs> dude? That that was I'm like your little Yanni right now looking mm. shit up. Um, that was a big ass fish. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean like, God. so like if you, if you're ever driving, this is the best way to put it. If you're ever driving in Kentucky and you see someone with a smallmouth uh, bass license plate, that is the fish. That is wow. the fish on that plate. That is old Joe. And, uh, the man who caught him, he's still alive. He's like in his late eighties, early nineties. He looked pretty old. He's pretty old dude. I mean, in uh, like apparently he's really, really, really nice, but um, he would like, f like would fly to the lake 
and go and fish like regularly because he he ran like a small grocery chain and uh i believe it was like an amateur pilot or something and he would fly to the lake go fish and then go home so like yeah it's like super weird and he like there's there's something on kentucky field like uh, of them interviewing the guy he's still got the reel he's still got the bait and all that kind of stuff and then you know we were joking earlier on in the podcast about me like retiring stuff if i ever caught a world record fish like everything that i ever touched with that fish would be gone like i wouldn't be able like in my head to ever like fish with anything on that rig again because i'm like nothing will ever top this like this is this is like like it needs to be retired to the wall of fame and be completely done with at that point. Same with my bow. Like it, like, you know, it's going to get retired eventually anyways. But you know, if, if I, in my mind, I shoot like a one sixty or one seventy, it's, it's done for me uh, because I'm going to basically just hang it on the wall and be like that, that is uh, a trophy for me in every sense of the word. Oh yeah. I mean, honestly, you know, it's funny and this isn't, this isn't knocking you. This is actually sort of talking about, you know, it's really cool. You, you know, being a guy like me, who's sort of got like a, I want to be better all the time and Mm -hmm. all that. I got a competitive nature and all that, but um, you always want to shoot those bigger bucks. Yep. And then when you shoot those bigger bucks, you look at guys that haven't yet and you're (laughs) jealous because those feelings you feel, when you get that, I know, I mean, even like, you know, for you, if, if we were to put like a 140 inch deer in front of you, I mean, how God, you would mind. feel <laughs> would just be, I mean, you'd have to put a lot bigger deer in front of me to get me out of my Great. mind like that. And, uh, it, it, you know, it's not because I'm something great or whatever. It's almost, you know, to me, it's like drugs. It, I mean, it really is. You, yeah. you literally, you kill a, you know, a couple in the one forties and then you're like, well, okay, I've, I've seen that. And then you start passing them and people are like, you're fucking crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, but when I let those go before, then they made this. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I've got a 160 and 170. And now, uh, I'm, I'm kind of sort of where you said, where I'm like yeah. more, you know, to, to get a deer that's uh, normally I have 160, at least one of them on camera or something damn close Mm -hmm. every Mm -hmm. year but i've only had probably two ever that would push 70 and i killed one so i mean he's on the wall behind you right now uh yeah he well that's the 162 16 point of the the other one he is downstairs in the archery shop oh okay he lives in the archery shop so um but anywho, you know, I'm kind of to the point now where I'm like, you know, you get a, a damn good mature deer, 150, 160, you, you shoot him and be happy and then go you help do. your buddies kill deer. And, and like, I, I, I joke about this all the time. I am a trophy hunter with a mediator mentality. Um, <laughs> I like, I, I, the buck that, I for, killed. For left. those of you that are confused on what that means. <laughs> That means whatever in the fuck walks in front of Rick, he's going to shoot it. <laughs> I I Open am a trophy and settling for a button buck. I I am an unapologetic <laughs> freezer meat hunter. <laughs> he shot, so he talked to you guys about 
his first archery deer and i looked at it and laughed and cried he shot <laughs> it looked like he a went, fawn <laughs> he he went behind no not i'm t- i'm talking about the shed buck oh the shed buck yeah 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 yeah. i forgot yeah. about that one he killed his dad's shed buck he shot he <laughs> shot this deer that you know you know you th- you look at it and you're like that's a big damn doe and then he's got this picture of this big doe and i'm like <laughs> man he's got caps on his head dude you shot the shed book <laughs> but uh yeah there are no sorries from rick cates on no, never never i remember so we've been deer hunting twice twice together yeah and the <laughs> oh boy so i'll tell the first story first and then we'll get to the second mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. first one i take him to the spot that i've hunted forever yeah and we sit up on this uh in this uh maple tree um in our climbers and first light here comes this buck and it's a two-year-old probably eight nine ten point or something like that beautiful deer going to make a hell of a deer very well could have been that 170 yeah that i shot honestly i'm i'm very very confident that yeah. it was um he you know goes to stand up and I'm like hey what are you doing we're not we're not shooting those we don't shoot those and uh kind of looked at me weird and then i thought man he okay you know he's he's ready to shoot anything so doe comes in and uh you know it didn't work out spooked whatever and so she 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 looked me looked at me before i even moved and just like bolted the other way stevie wondered your ass yep, exactly so then enter trip number two. I take him to a local farm and we drive out into the field a little ways. And, uh, man, I got out and I heard and two of his tires are popped. Punctured. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We we're losing air. So our buddy, Matt Amrine brought some tools over and kind of helped us out. And we, we patched the tires and, aired them up and everything but damn that sucked that that was a ruined hunt um so we we've got some more though this year and are you buying your ohio license this year absolutely okay so then i i I, i'm more i'm uh i'm actually more worried about the fact that like covid's gonna ruin another hunt for us so i'm gonna buy it here soon and yeah as soon as everything goes on sale i'm buying it i probably i probably won't buy kentucky until i get back from nebraska yeah but uh, I will buy Kentucky then, and I'll. I mean, I think things are looking pretty good for Kentucky this year. But you know, I, I, everything that you read and everything that you see online and everything that you watch on TV, like people go to Ohio. I, I love Ohio. I grew up there. Um, it's where I feel most comfortable. Um, I still feel like a foreigner in my <clears throat> in my new home state uh but i i love going and hunting ohio because there's something about it um that i will always think of as bigger bucks come from there now as i say that i will say this every county in kentucky has har- has had at least one harvested boone and crockett deer oh easily and i i will also say this if you're considering like an out-of-state hunt 
in this. I know people are going to get pissed at me for saying this. Don't fucking but, tell them this. Well, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. We, we have a ton of public land here. And like, like that, that's, that's a huge part of the allure of Kentucky anymore is that we have a huge amount of state land, a huge amount of state land. Absolutely. Plus, not on top of that, you have Daniel Boone uh, Forest. National Forest. National yeah. Forest. And it is prime, and I will say this, prime deer habitat. It runs from the top of the state to the bottom of the state. And if you're looking for a place to like go just like do a weekend away, it's a fun hunt. Like it, it yeah. really is. And there's plenty of places that you can go um, that are just amazing. Yeah, Absolutely. I will say – when when you do out of state hunts, I think the first thing that I would advise anybody on, uh, and I'm a pro at this, by the way, not at the <laughs> killing part. Uh, you become overwhelmed because it's not like what you're used to. Exactly. So I went on two elk hunts in Colorado on public, unguided DIY, all that shit. Right. Yeah. Chose a spot on a map. Went well. You look at those spots, and it's real easy to scroll on Google Maps. But when you have to walk that shit, hell of a lot harder. And 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 people, man, I can't say this enough. You're not as tough as you think you are. <laughs> no, you're not. No. Um, it's you're not as in shape as you are. And even if you are, altitude will tell you otherwise. So yep. it's just different. Everything is slower, and you have to have a lot of grit to do something like that. And I failed miserably the first time, and then the second time. Uh, just had a run of bad luck, honestly, and couldn't find water. So I had to go back. So yeah. I, the, the second time I literally had my buddies drop me off in the middle of nowhere and climb the mountain by myself and stayed the night and then gave up all of my elevation, <laughs> dropped down into a drainage thinking, Hey, here's a Creek. Yeah. There's going to be water. There's going to be elk sign. It's way away from everybody. Nobody's stupid enough to climb this mountain, you know? <laughs> well, shit. Well, I was right on part of it, mm -hmm. <laughs> but there wasn't any elk. Uh, th there was a little sign. I, I got my water to last me the rest of the day from an old elk wallow. Oh, and, man. And that was it. Like, there was no oh. – it was only water there. Be There was only water there because something – Because there was something hole. wallowing there. Yeah. So, um, keeping in mind for everybody listening – I had a water filter. So I was going to say, please tell me you had a water down. filter. You didn't yeah, get I dysentery. Didn't just, I didn't just sip elk piss. But <laughs> um, that said, when I went to Kentucky last year, I scouted that place. Mm -hmm. And when I scouted, I was overwhelmed. It's like a jungle. There are no trees to get into, it seems like, when you're on the edges of openings and, right. and stuff like that. So uh, I would say my advice would be to scout as much as you can and do not allow yourself to become overwhelmed. And as some of you, you know, whoever's listening to this, um, I was fortunate enough to kill a public land piebald buck on opening day last year. And a, a once lot of in that, a lifetime yeah, deer, once in 10 lifetimes, way. 20 lifetimes deer. I'd never yeah. seen a piebald before. Not yeah. even, I had a piebald button buck on camera once in like 2015. So, mm -hmm. That said, uh, the piebald part was complete luck. So we won't, you know, we're not going to yeah. tie that into skill or grid or anything like that. But that said, that deer happened 
because I didn't give up. And that, that was, you know, that's it. I mean, absolutely. Uh, it was because it, it was because you took the time and you did what you needed to do in order yeah. to make sure that that and, thing happened. And, and it was, it was part grit, but also just, you know, keeping using your mind and everything. So just don't become overwhelmed. Don't let yourself become overwhelmed when you do an out of state hunt. Cause it's out of state on public land is tough, dude. They don't, you know, that land isn't private where everything's controlled and, right, uh, right. you know, you can hunt somewhere and nobody else is touching it. It's, it's a lot tougher. So um, it is at the same time though, when you go and you hunt public land, at least, you know, in Kentucky, and I can only speak to this because this is, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I mean, I, I look at this in a really weird sense and I, I don't think I've discussed this here before is, I still look at Kentucky. I've lived here since 2012. It's, you know, been, you know, seven years, whatever the hell it's been eight years. Um, I still look at it in a non-resident sense. And when I do that, I think that I look at things from a standpoint of I'm only getting a certain amount of time to hunt here. Yeah. I need to make the best of my time. So we, we found this out during turkey season earlier this year when you and I, we went and scouted a place that I was for sure thought, I mean, we heard birds, we heard birds yeah. and you said, well, let's go to this other place. And which we, we won't heard, mention. We won't mention. No, we're not going to mention it. On here. <laughs> Which we will never mention. We won't. Um, you know, just like we won't mention uh, other places on here either. <laughs> but, you know, the reality of what you boil down to with that is, is that I think when you look at things through the eyes of a non-resident hunter, you know, when you go out of state, um, you start looking at things a hell of a lot differently. Yeah, you, do. you know, I've, I've lived here. For, I've lived here for eight years now. I still don't consider Let me rephrase that. I've lived here with my wife for eight years now. I went to college here for four years. So technically I've lived in Kentucky for 12 years. I love the state. Don't get me wrong. Ohio is home though. Um, when you start really looking at properties or things like that, as an out of stater and you start looking at what you want to get out of each one of those experiences, it becomes a hell of a lot easier. I think to start zeroing in on stuff because you don't have the time to wait um, for certain things. I hunt a County in Ohio every year with my father every, every year. And yeah. I love that bow hunt. It is one of my favorite things to go and do one because it gets me out of the house. It gets me away. But at the same time, it makes you a better woodsman because you've got two days to scout. You've got two days to hunt. Like that, 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 is, that is if you don't go back in to take a nap and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I, I killed my first like mature bow buck there um, two years ago. I think you did the, I think you did the yeah. head for me. Yep. And to me, getting something like that is more important. Was to that me. private or public? It's, uh, that was on private, budding to public. Boarding, yeah, that's boarding what I public. Um, did you guys end up losing that place? We did, unfortunately. That's what I thought. Uh, well, fingers crossed and praying to the Lord that we didn't. Um, the the unfortunately, the woman passed away 
uh, whose property that we were able to hunt. The, the grandsons were nice enough to let us hunt last year. I hope that they are this year. If you're listening um, and you hear the name Cates and you know me, uh, I'd be, I would love to come talk to you again. Um, there's tons of public land around it. So, and, and I, I, you know, while there are, it's beautiful pub, private land, um, the public land around there produces very large deer. Oh, and yeah. I mean, um, when you go back to deer camp and there's guys in, in, in the, in the, uh, in the area, there's at least one guy with a 160 to a 190 every year, Damn. every single year. And it's, whether it's a fluke, whether it's, we've been up here all week looking for it, whether it's a number of different things. I hunt the rut up there. I, I, I forego rifle season in Kentucky to be able to go up and do this bow hunting trip because I like it so much more. And I think I like it so much more because it's a little bit more challenging and don't get me wrong. Rifle hunting can be challenging, uh, in its own ways, but I, I, I really feel like when you go out of state and you're attempting to find an animal that you want to harvest, you start looking at things a hell of a lot differently. Um, I always buy two tags for Ohio for the sole fact is I will put a dough in the freezer. Sure. I, I, I am not above the meat dough and I will normally shoot it first uh, just to get the shake the cobwebs off or to like get the, get the scaries out of me. Get, get the butterflies out and exactly. watch your arrow go through her. And yeah. Yep. Um, m- my wife makes no, makes no bones about this. Um, it should be coming back with the deer. If I'm gone for three, <laughs> for three days, um, I tell her that's not how hunting works, but um, I am, I am very much an opportunistic shooter on does. Uh, and I, I always feel like it's one of those things where, uh, if one is presented to me, I will absolutely take a shot because oh, yeah. I want to fill the freezer. Um, it yep. is a, it is a cost to, uh, my family that we eat. I think I mentioned this last week. We eat venison 90% out of the year. Yeah. Flat out. I don't, I don't, I had a steak for the first time tonight uh probably in six months wow yeah right dude yeah i would say um you know what i'm really excited to do is smoke those things I oh man venison you, at all yet. you've not lived you you need to do the pastrami you need to literally do the pastrami. beat me to it so is that you smoke that yes oh shit yep. yeah i'll Hour be getting that recipe from you Yep. I'll have a deer. I should let us pray. I should have <laughs> mule deer to try it on. And and the doe tags in Nebraska are only like 70 bucks. And I think so, you can buy all kinds. Yes. So um, if I kill a buck and, you know, me and Matt are jacking around looking for one for him or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have a doe tag in my pocket. And the first time I see a doe that's nowhere near, you know, not going to screw up his hunt. I will smoke that bitch. Cause mule deer, I don't know if you've had it like actual fresh mule deer, not mule deer from jungle gyms or something. Yeah. Thomas killed a gorgeous mule deer with his rifle out in Colorado. Mm-hmm. I think it was like second or third season or something like that. And, uh, I went over there just to, 
have a little business meeting with him, talk yeah. about this stuff. And dude, he's just jacking around, talking and making these steaks. And I didn't think anything of it. I didn't even know if he'd offer any. Mm-hmm. Dude made me a plate of mule deer steaks. And I was like almost in tears. They were they were delicious. They blow whitetails out of the water. Well, and see that and so this leads to, this leads to two different things as we talk about this stuff. But this leads to a couple different things. And one is you know, the second person I've ever heard to tell me this is that mule deer blows whitetail out of the water. It does. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. There's a couple of different reasons why uh, I think guys like mule deer more. And uh, one, it depends on how it's processed. Two, um, yeah. it has more of a flavor to it from my understanding. Yeah. Um, they eat sagebrush like that. That's, that's what the, that's what those things eat. But, um, this leads us into the second like part of what we wanted to talk about. Um, because we've actually, I mean, we're over an hour now, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, you're going to hunt mule deer yeah. in Nebraska. I'm Jack. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, it, at the end of August, correct? Yeah. Um, so we're going to leave at the end of August, get out there a few days before their season opener and, uh, which opens September 1st. And we're going to be hunting giant velvet mule deer bucks or whitetail. The cool part about Nebraska is yes, they're an over the counter state. Yes, they are. And they are a two buck state and a crossbow state. You don't get any friendlier to hunters than that. Um, <laughs> And they it's have almost like they want season. them gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think probably plenty of farmers would yeah. be excited because when they get out in those canola fields and corn fields and yes. milo and bean fields and sunflower field, you know, all that shit that they grow, um, you know, their alfalfa. I mean, that those deer can pound food. So I've actually heard that they despise those uh, pronghorn antelope. Um, really? There's there's a lot of yeah because pronghorn will just sit out in the middle of nowhere they don't go bed in the gullies and no coolies and all that they'll sit right out in the field and just they don't care eat. so uh they wreck it pretty bad but um yeah so it, it's really cheap to hunt there and there's a decent amount of public land it's not what i thought i'd find in public mm-hmm. land mm-hmm. but uh they have some big ass tracks so i'm pretty excited i talked to uh buddy of mine that um works for black eagle jason wilkins yeah yeah he's ridiculous with a crossbow by the way um and with a compound but uh he was giving me some advice and then i talked to some other people spoke with a couple guys that have hunted nebraska about muleys and everything so uh i'm pretty excited um I don't know what's I'm excited happen. for you. Like that, that that's <laughs> like you. such a cool hunt to be able to go on. It is. I'm a little afraid because I, you know, you're crawling or scooting or whatever. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's no shortage of rattlers, rattlesnakes out there. So, um, you know, hopefully I don't hear that. But if I do, well, shoot an arrow through it. You can eat them. Well, that I'll have my pistol on me probably. So good. I'll just shoot it right behind the head and then, We'll have rattlesnake for dinner, and I'll have a little Euro-mounted 
snake with fangs. <laughs> so that'd be kind of cool. But um, yeah, I'm pretty excited. Uh, I, I really hope that our world championship doesn't get canceled. But at yes. the same rate, um, if it does, uh, if they were to tell me tomorrow that Worlds is canceled, mm-hmm. I'll get my new hunting strings on my bow and tune it to my hunting arrow setup. And I'll start dealing right now from a hundred yards or so probably i'll i'll have a i'll probably have a 100 110 yard pin whatever basically whatever my peep and site housing will allow me to go to that's what i'll go to as long as i can hold a sufficient group i'll probably shoot a probably do about a 525 grain arrow with a cut on i was was just gonna ask that what what are you gonna do in terms of arrow and what are you gonna do Um, in terms of broadhead i'll have plenty of weight up front but for the most part uh i want to cut on contact smaller diameter Mm -hmm. um so it cut you know a lot of people don't understand but just because it's cut on contact and not an expandable if you've got that wide arrowhead trying to go through a deer that's more surface area yeah all i need to do is put a hole in his both of his lungs and it doesn't matter he's going to die and to be honest even if i significantly injure this deer and just get one lung and some arteries or something if he doesn't die it's not like hunting here where he's going to disappear into a thicket and I'll never see that deer again. Right. I can glass him up and put another stock on him and kill him. Yeah. Uh, you know, pretty proficiently too. So, uh, but my hope is that I can get sub 60. If I get sub 60, that's a dead deer. You got a dead we were, deer. We were jacking around in the yard the other night from 60 yards, just screwing off. And I hadn't even, I didn't even sight it in. I just moved my sight to where I thought I could. And mm-hmm. I was hitting in the 10 ring and all around it. So, Jeez, it beats. Um, and that's Good for you. Keep it, keep in mind too. That's from the edge of the road, kind of uphill, very difficult. Yeah. Um, you know, you're drawing and holding up. So if I was able to hold down or just straight, I think I could probably do fairly well. So you go from that though. And then you go to what you showed me before. <laughs> this podcast yeah. yeah is a packet of wyoming tags yeah so we drew pronghorn correct yeah we drew some rifle pronghorn tags um and you know a lot of people um you know they hear that i shoot competition archery and i get a i'm taking a seven millimeter magnum and i ain't apologizing <laughs> to anybody for it uh and i'll shoot them at 10 yards and i'll shoot that bastard at 600 yards i don't care (laughs) as long as i can hit it and kill it i don't care uh you know i'm not looking to prove that i'm the greatest hunter or anything like that i want to go have a good time with my boys bring home some pronghorn and experience something different that i've never got to um so i'm i'm really excited uh we got me thomas eric and uh matt going on that one that's gonna be a that's gonna be a hell of a good time that's gonna be a hell of a trip i mean really when you think about it you get to go out there and you get to go um how many tags did you end up with so (laughs) this is shitty (laughs) so (laughs) we put in for a party draw for our buck tags right we all we all got our our buck tag so we each have a buck tag and then we all applied individually for the unit, uh, for a different unit actually yeah, that we yeah. thought we were going to get drawn for. We got drawn for a different unit for our buck tags. So the unit we thought we were like guaranteed to draw, we put mm-hmm. in for doe tags 
and you can apply for up to two. And me, Thomas, Thomas, uh, I'm sorry, I left Chris out of this. Yeah. Thomas' brother is coming. So me, Thomas, Thomas's best friend, Eric, and Thomas's brother, Chris, all drew both of our doe tags. No Matt shit. Didn't, Matt didn't draw a single doe tag. What? I, I felt like shit. I was like, <laughs> why, why did it have to be that way? Why couldn't I have drawn a buck tag and a doe tag or just a buck tag right for all the damn doe tag you know what i mean yeah like, that kind of that was rough so but uh can you small game hunt out there like during that oh time? hell yeah yeah okay. i i believe so i've i've already looked uh i think like the blue grouse and and difference or i don't know if it's a blue grouse i think it's like a sharp-tailed grouse and then another type of grouse, but there's blue grouse, uh, there's Sunni grouse, there's sharp tail grouse, there's uh ptarmigan. Oh, ptarmigan are in Utah. Um, yeah, um, there's sage grouse sage out grouse. there. Um, I don't think I'll be able to hunt the sage grouse. No, but uh, they're like very super uber restricted. But um, the blue grouse <laughs> looks really cool, and then there's I feel like it's the blue grouse that i'm yeah. talking about if no. you get a chance i don't know if it's available to you but um uh i think i went i i went and watched a film in february before all this garbage hit yeah. called uh public grouse and backcountry hunters and anglers did it and uh project upland did it and um man they they go through every type of grouse in the united states and where you can hunt them and man does it look like it's a cool time oh dude so i another little story for you yeah um so my uncle gave me sort of a family heirloom single shot 410 oh wow and this was back right when all the covid stuff started mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he gives this gun to me and i'm like and i'm gonna i'm gonna honor this thing yeah and i'm gonna have it restored so I took it to Aaron Satterfield yeah, and he like re-blew the barrel, freaking polished all the internal components. And I mean, it, that trigger breaks like glass, dude. I was going to say he, 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 uh, he showed a demonstration of that and it was, uh, oh, it was God. pretty damn impressive. Yeah. So, and I think, I don't know what the hell they're up to, but I think him and maybe my wife or something are, colluding and having a specialized <laughs> stock made or i don't know oh, man but it's taking a while because the guy that he knows is backed up or whatever yeah so, yeah, but yeah i asked him if it'd be done by the time i left for nebraska mm -hmm. because i think there might be a season open out there as well that i might be able to utilize and he said yes if you can go hunt sharp if you can go hunt sharp tail grouse in nebraska that that would be fantastic dude i'll trip so um yeah i'm pretty excited about that uh and then kind of spinning back around mm -hmm. i kind of forgot this um so we were talking about trips we'd done so our family just took a trip to michigan yeah For those that are listening that you know follow what i'm doing or whatever i appreciate you and you probably already know what i'm about to say but i discovered something that a buddy of mine bob walker oh yeah he, I have to talk about this. I, I didn't want to keep <laughs> rambling on and this being like my podcast, but I got to do some cool shit this summer. So, um, and this is, 
this is the nerdiest thing of all time. It's sort of embarrassing, but at the same rate, I don't give a shit. So my buddy, Bob Walker, hell of a guy kills turkeys, deer, uh, hand makes wooden canoes, Mm -hmm. paddles, does this badassery of, you know, tables and countertops. And they're just like, they look better than professionally done. I mean, it's like elite level shit. Right. So I'm, on this vacation in Michigan, we're up in Trevor city. And he's like, dude, make sure you look at, look for Petoskey stones. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so he sends me some pictures and I look them up and I'm like, these things are cool as hell. Looking, they look like freaking dragon eggs. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. That's, that's the Uper light. Oh, okay. So, okay. 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 Um, these look like a turtle shell Yes. Uh, with a pattern. So my, you know, I like rocks. My daughter lives for rocks. Every time I go mm-hmm. somewhere, I look for a cool little rock just to bring her back. And then she puts it up. She's got all kinds. Dude, I, I was out at Paint Creek once, turkey scouting. Mm-hmm. And I found what I thought was like something so cool you couldn't even describe it. Uh-huh. Turns out we're pretty sure me and Brady got to analyzing it. We're pretty sure that it's a glass bottle that was melted down <laughs> with the cap inside it. And so you're looking at this thing and it's like perfectly clear rock. Uh-huh. It looks like a rock that's perfectly clear mm-hmm. with like a piece of lead inside it, but it's the metal cap. <laughs> so anywho, we go up to Michigan and uh, I'm kind of having trouble finding these things and, you know, understanding them. So I looked some stuff up on YouTube and all mm-hmm. that. And, you know, people are picking up Petoskey rocks left and right. And I'm like, what the hell? So we go to this public beach and, you know, my public land shit's kicking in, right? So I'm like, okay, get away from people. Don't go to a crowded beach. (laughs) Of course, my wife wants to go to this nice crowded ass beach. I'm like, we're never going to find one of these bitches here. So we're walking and we're looking in the water and I'm crying like a baby because you're on a beach. That's rocks. Mm -hmm. It's not. Sand. Oh no, it's not sand. It's rocks. It's fucking terrible on your feet. <laughs> so, uh, me and Cora, my oldest daughter, she's six. Uh, we're walking, you know, in two and a half, three foot deep water. And I found this thing called a pudding stone, which has got like Jasper and quartz and all this shit in it. Really cool. And, uh, she's like, Oh wait. And I thought she was looking at that rock that I was about to pick up. I was like, I, I found, I, you know, I got it. And uh, she's like, no, hold on. And she's looking and I'm like, would you just pick up whatever you're going to pick up? Damn, you know, why? You, <laughs> why? Well, now I see. She looks down and finds this rock that's like, we'll say an inch and a quarter to an inch and a half long mm-hmm. by a quarter inch wide. Really? This is a tiny little rock. And it is the most vibrantly marked uh, Petoskey stone that I've seen since I've been researching these things. Really? And it's beautiful. So we're going to actually make it into like a necklace or something. For oh, nice. Polish it. But um, I found what sort of resembled one, might mm-hmm. be one, might not. Well, we came back there the next day. Chris had his wife order him some fat kid. uh uh, water <laughs> target, uh-huh. and uh, I basically put the goggles on and just 
went went to work in the surf mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. put my head underwater i found like eight or ten of those damn things man it was cool as hell nice so, yeah it was really neat um so now on the flip side of that it was the worst sunburn i ever had in my life uh. i didn't apply any sunscreen and i literally spent about six hours with my back pointing oh my straight God. up in the surf um i'd literally just hold my breath go mm-hmm. underwater as long as i could then come up for air and then go back straight back to, and i i mean i'm talking like <gasps> and then go down like so i spent a lot of time with my back pointed at the sun so i got raped by apollo basically oh my gosh Ugh, that, that yeah. sounds awful that, that it was really rough sound. it was that, rough that, i'm <laughs> i'm just now not peeling not burned <laughs> yeah um yeah so anywho so uh, <laughs> i mean speaking of i mean I, I haven't done a whole hell of a lot uh over the course of the summer i went to cumberland the once but upcoming trips um so long as the border stays open um i i have a <laughs> I know what you're laughing about. Um, <laughs> um, Chris and I just got a really funny message, but we're not going to discuss it on here. Stupid William. <laughs> um, I get to go back to Mexico uh, in, let me see, what's today? Today's July 17th. So I go back to Mexico in eight weeks, essentially. Um I get to chase roosters again um, and hopefully a <clears throat> be able to bring home a big Kubera snapper, uh, which is my next big fish on my bucket list, which is uh, a snapper. For those of you who aren't uh, aware of it, these are fish with two huge um, big teeth in the front. They live in rocks. They uh, basically grab they are <laughs> they basically grab baits and rip the hooks and the underwires out of these baits and i could not be more excited about it hell yeah i know it, it it's it's super weird for me to be talking about going fishing in september too um and and i say this and i go to cumberland every year last part of september first part of october but first part of september for me is normally deer season because Kentucky opens up September one and uh, don't quote uh, me on that folks. Don't quote me not, on that folks. It's not September one. It's the Sept- first Saturday, first Saturday in September, September which exactly last year and this year, it's kind of bullshit. They need to do September one, but I'm cool that they're not doing it like that this year. Yes. Cause I ain't going to be here. I'm going to be in Nebraska. Well, and so. there's allegedly a thing that's supposed to be passed through and for next year it's supposed to be September 1. Ooh, okay. Because they would like for it they would like for it to coincide with the first weekend in dove season or the first oh, okay. day in dove season and be able to knock it out and just get everything out of the way because you okay. know, it, it's great first weekend but um that screws uh, the velvet hunters a lot. Well, it does. It it really does and you know a velvet would be cool. It's not one of those things that I want to do necessarily. If I get one, awesome. If I don't, that's okay. But right. for a lot of guys who want to go and get a velvet deer, it really hurts their chances of being able to do that. So oh, fingers yeah. crossed in the next couple of years, they just do September 1. But 
I'm going to Mexico so long as the borders stay open. Uh, September the 3rd through like the 10th or something along those lines. And then I'm coming back and then I'm going straight to Cumberland. But prior to all that, prior to all that, I'm going to Cumberland to fish for stripers on the 31st and August 1st um, for the sole fact that I, uh, one, am completely out of fish uh, (laughs) in my freezer. (laughs) Like you know, literally the uh, the fish fishing with your buddy. You well, I know I should go fishing with my yeah. buddy. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? I know. Everybody, if anybody wants to go fishing or hunting with Rick, he'll go with you and not me. So. <laughs> <laughs> and literally, um, my dad and I were talking about this the other day. Um, we were out on the lake uh, that we, that we go to sometimes that they own property on. And uh, we could have filled a cooler full of bluegill and crappie. Wouldn't have, oh, yeah. would, wouldn't have been an issue. Um, now, realistically, though, with a four-year-old trying to keep his attention and all that kind of stuff, it made it a little bit hard. But um, getting back to trips, uh, trip-wise, Cumberland, end of this month, uh, and then uh, Cabo, San Lucas, at the end of the next month, going into uh, what would be the end of their big like rooster fish Kubera season and then going into their blue marlin season or Dor- my bad their dorado season <clears throat> so there's a very good chance that i could catch mahi from shore um, i'm going out two days with the guy that i go out with regularly down there um the dude's a master like he, he yeah. really is a, he's he's, he's lived down there forever uh, he's an American who moved down there. I think like age, like six months parents built wow. their house. Yeah. His parents built their house out of like a palm tree, um, from the mountains and like built this house around them. And he's just like, the, like I talk about really nice guides. This guy, I don't know any other way to explain him other than like, he is just like a super like energetic like wants you to catch fish he stayed out with me two hours past what he was supposed to so i caught a rooster fish last year nice i mean and we we landed uh allegedly allegedly i want to say this the world record needlefish on my trip last year and the only reason i know this is because the guide owns the world record and the only reason we couldn't weigh this one was we snagged the fish. And he, oh. was, he is a good enough sportsman where he said, we're not going to lie about this. Um, he goes, we would all be count. Like literally we all would have been counted on the trip on the fish. And wow. he goes, he goes, where he goes, I don't feel comfortable submitting this to IGFA. Uh, in doing that because because it wouldn't be it wouldn't be right and, yeah. and to me that 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 that's a noble thing but well, sure um fingers crossed i catch that that catch that same fish <laughs> yeah right hey well that's good karma too man yeah um, absolutely yeah i i tell you what uh i'm a little jelly because i haven't been to cumberland in a while but I, if all these people start getting shut down from work and all that, that nice camper I just bought. Mm-hmm. Me and my family are going to go down to Cumberland and like I live there this would fall. say that'd be a great idea to do. And you um, know what? Um, 
I will point this out as a point of conversa- uh, conservation and conversation. Um, Kentucky's fishing licenses are up uh, almost 35% this year. Wow. That makes so, sense, though. I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, it makes all sense. All the people were off of work. I mean, of course, they want to. It was insane this spring and even still seeing people out now. Like, I'm seeing, which, which is good. Mm hmm. Uh, screws you if you're a hunter or fisherman a little bit but it's also really cool to see uh all the people out and about and getting outdoors and stuff i'm exactly seeing people playing mm-hmm. with their kids outside like i think it forced people to get the hell off of their phones and off mm-hmm. their ipads and tvs because you can only do that shit for so, so many long. hours each day and then finally you're like okay i gotta do something else right no matter you know what kind of dumb bullshit is on the news or on Netflix or prime or whatever. Yeah. I mean, you can, as a sane human being, you can only do so much of it. So, um, exactly. Well, and literally like as we, as we started this podcast tonight, um, I have a very, uh, small pond behind my house and there was nine people fishing in it tonight. Shit. Yeah. Right. And one kid hooked a, monster catfish (laughs) i'm I'm thinking like like 15 16 pound channel cat like it it was flopping on the surface he he's like he was bluegill fishing like it it was not the correct equipment for the correct oh god um and like you could just see the joy on his face it it was so sure but did he land it yeah he landed it like i mean like it 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 was pretty impressive so i I, I'm, i'm impressed that shit happened to my father-in-law. We were out at the place where your parents yes. own property and uh, in one of the smaller areas there mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. your dad always fishes for the crappie, you know, yes. where. Um, and Greg's like, my father-in-law, Greg, he's like, I think I should bring a net. And it's like March, early March. And I'm like, mm-hmm. we'll be lucky if we catch something. It's cold as balls. And uh, dude, he takes this like – 1974 Van Lunen's off the rack special clothes. Van Lunen's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Like shit rod. Of yeah. And hooks a 12 pound channel. And the whole time I'm like, I don't know what the hell is on the end of this pole, but I'm going to be pissed if it's like a damn turtle or something stupid. <laughs> but it, it was just, it was fighting too hard to be a, a turtle so that was kind of crazy mm-hmm. um so anywho uh any uh any concluders there yanni uh yeah actually uh i got two things um really kind of uh more important stuff um one uh if you are an out-of-state resident or if you are an ohio resident quota hunts they're going up um I know, I know. God, what is this? How much have you had to drink? Uh, quite a bit, actually. Son but, of a bitch. You're but dead listen, 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 listen. Uh, the one, the <laughs> one that that is the most important of all, the best one, is only available to Ohio residents. I've tried, I've tried applying for it. It doesn't work. Um, I'm very angry about this, but we won't go into that. We'll do that in private. So now you're fucking it up for the rest <laughs> of us. <laughs> my my favorite muzzleloader hunting hole is gone 
completely for me now. Um, but uh, look for other states. Quota hunts are available, including Kentucky. Uh, we have the Bluegrass Depot hunt that is available. The Fort Knox hunt is still available. Yeah, I'd love and, to do the Fort Knox hunt. Oh, man, the Fort Knox hunt it would be amazing. Do you and, have to have your hunting license in Kentucky to apply for that? I believe that you do. Um, and I think you have to pass a background check. Don't quote oh, me on that, no. but I believe that you I'm, do. I'm good um, there. The third thing is uh, coming up. It is an underutilized hunt, but it is still a hunt that is available to people. And I always like to inform people of this because you can draw up to three tags. Sandhill crane in Kentucky um, is an available hunt uh, for non-residents. I believe uh, okay. make sure you check the regs and everything along those lines. They literally just came out yesterday uh online paper regs come out in a couple days um second thing i want to cover and we've talked a lot about a lot of different things today but this is kind of a serious one if you are going out on a lake please 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 wear your pfd um in kentucky we have had multiple drownings. It has been up this year due to COVID because more people are going to public places and more people are being out in the water and they are not following direction that is being given forth by uh, our departments of wildlife or departments of watercraft. Uh, I want everybody who goes out and enjoys their time on public places to be safe and sound. It would be very sad for a lot of us if more people passed away because they're not taking necessary precautions for certain things. So please, 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 please wear your PFDs. And if you're not going to wear a PFD, um, you damn sure and well better be a strong swimmer. And even at that, I would still tell you order a PFD. Yeah. Wear your PFD guys. It it doesn't matter. It's kind of like wearing your safety harness. Um, you know, if you're just dicking around in the boat fishing or whatever with, like we do with your dad, yep. you know, we're not yep. sporting life jackets, but they're close. Yeah. Um, you know, but if there's any kind of rough water, you're kayaking or, you know, whatever, man, it's so much can happen and it doesn't matter how cool you think you are or tough you are. If somebody knocks you in the head and you're done. your ass in the drink, <clears throat> well, you're, it doesn't take many breaths of water to just end you. So, yep. and even if you don't die, you're not going to be the same. So, yeah. uh, I lost my uncle in, uh, 2000, um, to, a a drowning in East Fork there. So, uh, make sure you wear your damn life jackets. Uh, any, any others before we cut out? Um, I, I, I am excited and I mean, I am excited to be able to go fishing here in the next couple of weeks, but I am even more excited to be able to go talk to my, uh, my landowners and get the permissions that I know that are coming to me and to go put up those trail cams because I have, I have to wait. Like, like they've told me before, like Rick, you got to wait till the first week in August. I'm like, okay. Um, really? really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's stupid. What are you going to do? It is what it is, but. Uh, tactic cam reveal. Huh? Tactic cam reveal. Tactic cam reveal. I know. Get you a tactic cam reveal or two. <laughs> Get you a couple of the solar panel battery chargers. You'll never have to replace the batteries. You can erase the pictures from your phone. So nothing, you know, you don't have to worry about emptying the card. 
So you literally just throw your minerals out um, and maybe even a special Chris lick that I'm going to make. Oh, nice. you'll, you'll, you'll crack up on these. They're, they're going to be great. Um, <laughs> and you won't have to pressure the deer. So, nice. uh, okay. Well, my concluders are, yeah, what are your concluders? My concluders are, I am super excited about worlds. Uh, I have two, we'll say two shooter bucks on camera so far. Sweet. Uh, that I'm pretty excited about. And, uh, I, I just want to tell everyone, um, we've got deer season right around the corner. So you're going to be trimming lanes, putting up stands, all that. Piggybacking off what Rick said about the PFT, wear your safety harness from the time yes. you hit the ground. If you have a lineman style rope, use that. And I actually always carry two. That way, if I'm going around a stand, a stick, or a limb, um, I can stay attached at all times. Mm -hmm and then wrap around above what I need to go around and then disconnect. That way I can continue my ascent. Um, Three points I, of contact at all times. I, I can't say enough how important that is. Again, I don't care if you are the Olympian of the year. If I jerk the stand out from underneath you and you fall, you could break your legs. You could. It, it's not worth it. Even if you live, you could not walk right for the rest of your life. Like right. that's stupid. So, and, and not to mention, do you want some guy wiping your ass while he's doing your wife and raising your kid? Like, <laughs> let's be honest. I mean, right. I'm serious too. I know. I know. That's, I know that's you are kind of shit. You know, that's reality. Your wife ain't just going to sit there with some damn cripple. So put your damn safety harness on for your wife and your kids and your friends and every, everything else. We don't need to hear about how you were stupid and didn't wear a harness. So, um, that said, good luck to everybody. Don't pressure your deer. Don't check your cams too much. And, uh, looks like Rick is finger banging the air. One more, <laughs> what do you, I got one what more you got? thing, because we okay. talked about this last week. Uh, we're running, we're going to start running a uh, contest probably within the next week. Right. Uh, Giveaway. yeah. Yeah. So, um, guys, uh, if you listen to the podcast, it is really, 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 we, I, I put a thing at the end of this every single week like subscribe review the um ability to get for this giveaway and it's going to be a good one because it's going to lead into probably our you know our other really 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 big giveaways for the year correct yeah it's really kind of the first one we've started back up since uh, the end of turkey season yep um show us screenshots of that on the elite outdoors on facebook or, or as I say every week, the Elite Outdoors one, that's the number one at gmail.com. Send us pics of that. That gives you entries into being able to uh, win these books. I swear to you, the alone, the Meat Eater Cookbook is one of the best books you will ever own. It is fantastic, hands down. A wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing. Not to mention, uh, if you're a conservationist, the other two are required reading, as I've stated multiple times before. So I hope to hear from you guys uh, in the future when we post this on our site on Facebook or on our Instagram page, The Elite Outdoors. So yeah. you know, 
And uh, where guys, I, I, I seriously say this deer season is soon giveaways are coming and the best time of the year, at least in my eyes is oh, coming yeah. up. Oh yeah. Agreed. Well, it was good to sit down and, and ramble a little with you, bro. Yeah, man. We, we, uh, this has been a good time. Yeah. A real good time. It's always so. better with beer. <laughs> beer and bourbon make everything better. Beer and bourbon chasers. You're supposed oh, to chase the bourbon with the beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I decided to switch it up a little bit tonight. So, uh, you know, it, it, it still, it still makes for a good time, right? This, this has been a hell, <laughs> hell of a yeah. podcast. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it. We were able to sit down and do this and, uh, hell yeah. uh, guys, you are going to be disgusted with us over the next few months because we are going to come at you so much with so much deer information, uh, and just archery rifle, anything that we can, uh, tune in. It's going to be awesome. Hell yeah. All right, guys. So this has been Fueled by the Outdoors. We've been your hosts, Rick Cates and Chris Leppert. And uh, we hope to hear you guys and see you guys in the near future. Talk to you later. Bye. See you. And that will do it for our podcast today. Please remember to subscribe, like, review on all major podcasting platforms. We are available on Apple, Google, Tune in, Castbox, Spotify, and all other major podcasting platforms. As always, we are available for contact at theeliteoutdoors1 at gmail.com. That is theeliteoutdoors, the number one, at gmail.com. Thanks a lot, guys. Talk to you next time.